0: This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. This is Mike Smith in for Simi. Well, we've talked a lot about ride hailing on the show or more specifically lack thereof. The B.C. government, of course, promised we'd have these services by the end of 2019. Didn't happen, although indications that License approvals are imminent for Uber and Lyft, the two big global ride-hailing companies. They're advertising heavily, uh, telling British Columbia residents and Metro Vancouver residents, get ready, it's going to happen. You're going to have these services. But the debate is still going on. Is this industry a good thing or a bad thing for Metro Vancouver and for British Columbia. Let's do the ride hailing debate here now. I got both sides of it for you. Ian Tostenson is here. He's the president and CEO of Ride Sharing Now for BC. Ian, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Michael. Also on the line is Stuart Parker, president of the Las Altos Institute. He's a former leader of the BC Green Party, and I'm very pleased to welcome him. Hi, Stuart.
1: Great to be back on the show, Mike.
0: Appreciate it a lot. Ian, let me go to you first. Why do you support ride hailing in BC?
1: Well I think it rides you know ride hailing the way it is looking at it right now Mike is is ride hailing 1.0 and I think we have to look forward to 2.0 3.0 in terms of the possibilities which I get really excited about and that's the ability to look at the the transportation network in terms of shared rides connecting into public transit reducing people's ownership of private cars which is one of the stated goals of Uber and Lyft um, utilizing their technology for other uh, other types of services like bikes and scooters. These are all things that both those companies are doing uh, a lot of work with in the States, are doing a lot of work with the governments in the States. And and knowing these guys and work, working with Uber and Lyft a lot, I know they have a lot to bring to the table, and I know they have a lot to bring to you know, the concerns we have in our economy with respect to congestion and pollution. But if okay. we get to higher versions, I think we'll be really happy
0: with it. Okay, Stuart, why are you opposed to it?
1: Well,
2: I think uh, your first speaker has outlined it brilliantly. Ride-hailing 1.0 is a disastrous failure. It increases sexual assault. It increases emissions. It increases congestion. It reduces funding and frequency for public transit. It's an unmitigated disaster that your guest isn't even trying to defend. So, I mean, sure, I might be excited about some of the future ride hailing that's not happening right now that he's talking about, but until it applies to come to BC, um, I've no interest in uh, seeing a company like Uber depress people's wages, increase congestion, half a billion animals were just incinerated in Australia, and we want to do something that would increase emissions. That's insanity.
0: Well Ian, what do you say to him? uh <laughs> there's a lot there
1: um i think we're being a little bit extreme by trying to tie this into australia i think again as you see this model evolving is uh, it does move to electrification down the road so uh, it's not as bad as as Stuart as you're saying it is these companies have made some great advancements these companies are relatively new they have had some problems but certainly not to the extent that you have i mean if you look at job satisfaction with uh, ride hailing drivers in the United States, um, you'll see that 50% of the people, are, when they're an educated population driving, they tend to be older, are very happy with the income they're making. They're part-time drivers. So it's, okay. I know you like to you'd sort of pick these examples of the whole system, but you're entirely wrong.
0: I'm
2: not entirely wrong. You're conceding almost all the points that I'm making. Every study that has measured emissions with the addition of ride hailing has shown a massive increase, 251 megatons of additional emissions just from switching to ride hailing in Paris alone. So, you know, you keep talking about, well, these things are going to happen because ride hailing is going to make them happen. If ride hailing makes the things happen that you're talking about, it would be doing it now, but instead, it's making the opposite of those things happen: congestion and higher emissions and lower wages. And what you say those about are what, what do you say about the that we cannot dispute? There's statistics that even Uber admits to.
0: Ian, what do you say about the the fear of congestion and, and emissions in Metro Vancouver if we go with us?
1: Well, actually, I think that you'll see is a modification of congestion in Vancouver because what Stuart's not pointing out here is that congestion is dependent on the cities that ride hailing exists in and relative to the public uh, transportation systems that we have. You'll see that even TransLink has come out in favor of ride sharing as a link to uh, getting more people using public transit and more people out of their cars. So Stuart can say all he wants about this kind of stuff. He's doom and gloom. But it's not the way it is. I, I don't think he's probably read the study out of Toronto recently that, um, that showed that despite the fact that shared or popularity of um, ride sharing is up tremendously in Toronto, it has not added appreciably to the number of trips, which has added 3% to the overall trips in Toronto. And mm. at the same time, it's up 140% in share rides in Toronto, and that's people sharing rides, getting out of their cars, and opting to okay. take a, uh, a, a, a ride share versus driving their own vehicle.
0: Stuart, what do you say to that?
2: That's sophistry. I mean, this we're getting people out of their cars and into cars. Um, That's not an argument in favor of this. What we need is proper investment in public transit. What we need is a decent uh, transportation grid. What we need are taxi licenses that tie driving the vehicle to owning the taxi. There's a whole bunch of common-sense regulations that are working, and those are the regulations that are being brought in in the jurisdictions that had ride-sharing, found it was a disaster, and have banned it.
0: But Why go through this experiment?
2: hmm. We know that initially it will be popular, and then the system deteriorates, and that's because it's an unstable system that relies on two things, illegally underpaying drivers, and massive investment from Silicon Valley investors who are dumping money into this financial disaster that's losing it at a rate of billions of
0: dollars okay, well, I don't think they're being legally being underpaid, no. but you know there is an argument that maybe they're not being fairly paid. Ian, what do you say to that
1: well, I, Stuart can't make these comments with any fact based approach to it. This is irresponsible on his part. Um, these are part time people. They average 15 to $18 an hour in the United States driving for rideshare companies. And they have the, the complete option not to do that. These are not, in the majority of cases, Stuart, these are people that are working part-time in, in addition to their primary jobs to make extra income. These are a service that provides a great service to elderly people to provide the convenience to get to medical appointments and to socialize and stuff. So there's an awful lot of good things that come out of this. But as long as you have an, uh, this negative attitude about, you know, the way the system should be, what you're talking about will never happen for many, many years. Okay. And the system will currently create inconvenience for the public.
0: As we continue with the ride-hailing debate, Ian Tostenson, president of ride-sharing now for B.C., Stuart Parker, Los Altos Institute. He's a former leader of the B.C. Green Party. He is opposed to ride-hailing. Your calls to them, 604-280-9898. Star 9898 on your cell. Maggie in
2: Surrey, hi. Hi, Mike. Love Mike. your show. Um, God gave us two ears and a mouth. And that fellow that want, doesn't want ride sharing doesn't listen. He just tries to interrupt. He is not right. He is wrong. And maybe he what has is he a wrong good points. Well, because we have twenty one cities in this very small area, and we can 't get from one place to another there 's a river in between and hey, the rest of the world can 't be wrong so okay. we're, Stuart, we're...
0: What, Stuart what do you say to her
2: well i don 't i 'm not here to defend the state of the taxi industry in the lower mainland. One of the things we often see before Uber moves into a jurisdiction is um, a uh, that uh, the taxi system is poorly maintained and poorly run no one would come on cknw and say the taxi system in greater vancouver is in tip-top shape the question is do we fix it or do we come up with a system run by billionaires in silicon valley that takes whatever future profits out of british columbia pays them to American investors, and makes those profits mainly by depressing driver wages. I also want to address something that we said earlier in the previous segment. Um, You said, well, Uber doesn't do it illegally. Well, in fact, Uber's in court all over the United States, over its labor practices, because more and more American governments do think it's breaking labor laws by treating people who are actually employees as independent contractors. Right. So right. we've got a serious problem. Do we solve it with our money, our infrastructure, our investments, or do we bring, bring in a bunch of Californians who have run transportation systems into the ground okay. in Germany, France, England?
0: Let's go back to the calls. Mike and Burnaby. Hi. Mike. Hi.
1: I just had a, yep. a comment for uh, Ian saying that uh, the drivers seem to be pretty happy all the time. He's saying they're part time, but weren't there uh, weren't there some global protests like a couple months ago or maybe last year all around the world? Drivers don't seem to be too happy with those companies. Ian, yeah, there's a, yeah for sure. Um, the um, so what Stuart's referring to is not illegal; is it's a definitional issue in California with respect to whether they are employees or whether they're contractors. So it's not illegal; it's just a straight legal determination. Uh, and you're right about that. There have been uh, areas in the world that um, there have been a portion of the drivers um, that have um, have pushed back in terms of better working conditions. Um, I, I think it's fair to say and balanced to say that it's not the majority yeah. of them. It's a okay. group of them. Again, that's it, part of the evolution. I mean, I, and Stewart doesn't want to accept the fact that the system is going to evolve. Um, the system does require drivers. And the system needs to make some adjustments to keep the drivers more interested in driving. Just, there is a high turnover for rideshare drivers in the US about every two years. But if you look at the future, if you look at some of the opportunities in ridesharing in terms of car design and electrification and eventually autonomous drivers or autonomous cars, there is a lot of potential here to solve a lot of the problems that Stuart's talking about. And, 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 I like to find solutions. And I think that ride-sharing provides an opportunity for some of the solutions in the future.
0: In terms of whether the drivers are underpaid, Ian, you quoted some statistics in the United States. What were those average average wages that ride-hailing drivers are earning in the United States?
1: Uh, you'll see that... Um Here's here's fifteen to eighteen dollars per hour is the average wage depending on which company you're working for. Most okay. are part time drivers.
0: Okay, fifteen to eighteen dollars an hour, Stuart. That sounds is that reasonable to you? Or do you uh, buy in that?
2: Sure, if uh if I accepted that statistic, um and many, many dispute it. It's an in house statistic that um Frankly, if you look at Uber drivers, if you look at the main companies, you see far lower wages. I don't know what the sampling rate is that's being used to calculate those averages, but uh, they're certainly not the experience of people on the ground. They're certainly not why Uber drivers are unionizing, why Uber drivers have the company in court, why governments have them in court. And uh, also... But by the end of this mandate, $15 an hour will be an illegal wage to pay in British Columbia. So let's recognize that what's being talked about is I don't even know how an average could be 15 to 18. Isn't it supposed to be a number, not a range of numbers? So I'm pretty skeptical. And even if it were 15, that would be against the law here by the time these uh, vehicles roll out. Also, again, you know, there are exciting things that are going to happen in the future. Why don't Uber and Lyft wait and show up when those exciting things have happened? Those electrified vehicles, those well, driverless vehicles, the I things are pe- promising.
0: People are looking for rides now. we are getting
2: just, uh, uh, a fossil fuel powered vehicle with a driver and that's the way you're
1: going to get an electrical v- vehicle without one.
0: Okay, sir that's- I just got... Jump in there, Ian. we just got 30 seconds if you want to wrap it up there. Your last thoughts.
1: Yeah, I'm just a little perplexed why the Green Party of British Columbia were the ones that really helped us bring in ride-sharing potential to BC. And you're way off the charts in this one. I don't understand it. And I really am dismayed at the fact that you're much more rhetoric than you are fact-based. And I hope for the people okay. of British Columbia we get ride-sharing in the next two or three weeks.
0: Okay. I know Stuart would love to respond to that, but we're out of time. But I know you, you both, you guys both got a lot of time. So I appreciate both of you for being here. Thank you very much. Ian Tostenson. Thank you guys. Ian Tostenson, ride hailing now for BC. Stuart Parker. He's with the Los Altos Institute. He's the former leader of the BC Green Party, uh, many years ago. Appreciate both of theirs and their time, both of them and their time.